Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Scotty from Way of Life Worship Center. Uh, you're about to hear a great message by Brother Darren English from Plain English Mem- Ministries uh, on not worrying. And uh, we're in a time right now, it's March the 15th, 2020, when the coronavirus is uh, a big threat in our nation and all around the world, actually. And uh, Brother Darren has given us a great encouraging message that as long as we are trusting in Jesus, the blood, the blood will cover us and protect us. And it's a great sermon. I know you're going to enjoy it. So sit back, take notes, do whatever it takes, but get this word into your life and into your thoughts and let this word minister to you and Take out the fear that that the enemy is trying to instill in your life. God bless you. Uh, We're going to attack the spirit of fear, uh, the spirit of worry, the spirit of anxiety tonight. We're just going to go after that tonight. And and I just pray that by the time we walk out of here, we're not going to have a single worry that's going to linger. I mean, we, we're all tempted with worry. Come on, we all wrestle with it. Come on. I mean, it's not a sin to feel that. But to get it to, when it masters us and when it gets in us, that's a whole different thing. So I pray that tonight when we walk out, uh, we've just determined and resolved that we don't ever have to let that master us. Amen? Praise God. What I want to do is I want to take you to some very familiar passages of Scripture tonight. We're going to revisit some things. And I want to start in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 25. One more time. Stand with me. Let's honor God's Word. Amen? Like I always say, I love Holy Ghost calisthenics. Up, down, up, down. Raise your hands. Don't you like? You can get in the right atmosphere in the right place. You can get a good aerobic workout in the house of God. You really can. That's why I'm grateful for places like this. Uh, All right, Matthew, chapter 6, verse 25. The classic teaching where Jesus says, That is why I tell you, not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink and enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And don't worry about your clothing. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Can we just soak that in right now and say thank you Jesus and amen? Amen. Father, thank you again for your word and I pray that you'll move Darren out of the way again and speak this word the way only you can. Open our hearts up and our spirits up, God. I need you. We need you. Holy Spirit, come down. Have your way, accomplish your purpose in this room tonight and in our lives. We give you the praise in the name of Jesus. And everybody says amen. 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 You can be seated. You know, it's been said that 80% of what you worry about will never happen. That's the truth. And of the remaining 20% won't happen to the degree that you think it will. Now, I'm 50 years old. I know I don't look at, thank you for thinking that. Thank you so much for that. But I, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I will never come to, to the full knowledge of everything. And I, I think we all know that about ourselves. But I'm learning this, that my trial does not ch- change God's truth. My problem doesn't affect His power. Uh, in my confusion, God is still constant. I may not know what's going to happen, but that's okay as long as I know Jesus is going to happen. Amen? I mean, and hasn't He proved it to us? I mean, out on the water, in a storm, Jesus says, peace be still. Jesus happens. When a woman is in a funeral procession for her son and they're going to bury him, Jesus stops the procession, puts his hand on the coffin, raises the boy up, gives the boy back to his mother. Jesus happens. Amen? The disciples are worried about how they're going to pay their taxes. Jesus says, go and throw a line in the water. I just love this story. And the first fish you catch 
open his mouth, you're going to find a coin that's enough to pay your tax and mine too. Jesus happens. Amen? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, it says that the just will live by faith. I like to say it like this. The just will live by their trust. That's a neat little rhyme that you can keep that will get in your head. The just will live by their trust. When stuff changes, I'm glad that God is unchangeable. When things break, I'm glad that God is unbreakable. Amen? Uh, when David said, I will not fear though the earth gives way. In other words, if the earth actually opens up from beneath my feet, God is still unmovable. Thank God. He's unmovable. However, even though we know these things, even though the Bible declares these things, we still wrestle with worry and anxiety, especially right now. You know, we've, we've, we've talked about it. It's been all in the news. We'll just go ahead and say it. Coronavirus is everywhere. Uh, they're talking about it everywhere. The media has blown it up, I believe, uh, by personal opinion, has blown it out of proportion, and it installs fear and anxiety and panic. Uh, anybody been to Walmart lately? I've got a roll of toilet paper I'll auction off. I'm starting off the bidding at $500. $500. I mean, seriously. Seriously. I, I, honestly, I've never seen it like this before. And I'm going to get into that in just a few minutes. But we wrestle with worry and anxiety. And I believe that right now in the season we're in, this is a very appropriate word. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says it like this. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Let me say that again. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Here's what I get from that. What we see can worry us, but what we believe can save us. Let me say it again. What we see can worry us, but what we believe can save us. Because what you believe determines what you see and how you see. Let me say that again. What you believe determines how you see and what you see. Now tonight I told you we're going to revisit some scriptures that are old favorites. And so tonight I want us to jump back over to 2 Kings chapter 6 and let's look and revisit a favorite story. I know it's at least one of mine. It's about when Elisha the prophet is in his home with his servant and he has been cornered and surrounded by the armies of Aram, uh, the enemy of Israel. They've been trying to track down Elisha for a very long time. They get wind of where he's, where he's at. And so the king of Aram sends his army and surrounds the place and I want to read this, this scripture to you, picking it up in verse 14. It says, So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, he went outside. There were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elijah, or to uh, Elisha. So this young man, it, he cries out. That means he's in a panic. He is freaking out. Uh, he is, he's, he's lost all sense of reality. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He's come to the end of himself. And Elisha calmly says, Don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Then the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. And we know that from that story, God delivered Elisha, God delivered the servant, and there was a great victory that came about. Read the rest of that story. It's so, it's so incredible how that ends up. But God brings this incredible victory here. So here's the thing I want you to see out of this. Because Elisha's servant linked arms with worry, he saw his problem. But because Elisha linked arms with faith and trust in what God said, he saw his problem solved. And you see, I believe that, that what we need right now, today, more than ever, especially in this season that we're in right now, is we don't need to be looking with natural eyes. We've got to start looking with spiritual eyes. Uh, we have to start looking, and in particularly, and I'll just go ahead and be specific, the coronavirus pandemic, let's look at it through spiritual eyes. If we look at it through natural eyes, yes, there's panic, anxiety, and fear. And listen, I'm the first one to tell you to take every precaution. I'm the first one to tell you, yeah, take the advice of state and uh, uh, federal health organizations. Wash your hands. Yeah, but, you know, don't, don't get up in people's face right now. Do some practical things. But we also need to look at it through spiritual eyes. And when we do, now I don't believe that God brought the virus. I don't believe that. Uh, I, I believe God uses it. 
I believe God uses everything for His own purpose. And if we look at this through spiritual eyes, I can see three things right off the top that we can take away from this. Number one, God is reminding the nations of what He reminded them. I believe it's in Psalm uh, 1 or 2. I believe it's in Psalm 2. That the nations are not invulnerable like they think they are. Uh, Just in a matter of moments... Everything can shut down. Everything can be shaken. We're not as strong in ourselves as we think we are. We need Him. We need Him. God can use this to remind us we need Him. Number two, people are more open to the gospel now. People are more receptive to the gospel when they're in seasons of anxiety and panic. Did you know that? They are more receptive and they're more open to hearing about the message of truth, the message of hope, the message of redemption than when things are okay. Number three, real quick, real quick, it's a sign of the Lord's return. How much more blatant can you get when Jesus said in the last days, there will be epidemics and diseases. I'm telling you. Again, I've never seen it this bad where everybody panics so bad. But God is using this to flash up a sign. Hey, it's a sign. I'm about to return. I'm about to return. So when we look at this through spiritual eyes, already we can see the good that God is using this from. We can already see this happen. So basically what Elijah, what he's doing is, I believe that he pretty much just told his servant, listen, just because when you looked outside, Just because you did not see the armies of heaven, it did not mean that they weren't there. They were there the entire time. It just meant that you were blind to the truth by your worry. Hear that. Listen, the armies of Israel were there the entire time. As a matter of fact, I think they got there way before Elisha even called for them. I believe God preempts us, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. But just because he didn't see, that the servant didn't see God, didn't mean they weren't there. It just means that he was blind to the truth because of worry and anxiety. See, the truth is God always stands ready to fight for you, to provide for you, to deliver you. But worry and anxiety and fear can blind you to it and steal you from it. Notice what I said here. I didn't say... I didn't say steal it from you. I said steal you from it. Well, what's the difference? Well, here's the thing. Uh, Have you ever been driving in your car? This has happened to me. And you turn on your GPS to get to a certain place. You know where I'm about to go with this. And it doesn't take you to the place that you're supposed to go. It just kind of falters on you. It gives you a false signal. Well, just because... It gives me a false signal and I get to the wrong place. It doesn't mean that my destination ceases to exist. It's still there. But what happens is I linked up with the wrong signal. And it's taking me away from my true destination that I'm supposed to go. So see, whenever we link up with worry and and, and fear and anxiety, what that does is it pulls us away, like I said this morning, pulls us away from the rest God has given us, pulls us away from answers, pulls us away from victories, and sends us into a tailspin in our minds to where the enemy can just come in and just begin to wreak havoc in our thought life. But when we link up with trust and faith, that's a true signal, and that takes us right to where Jesus already is, waiting on us. So what happens is worry linked up with that takes us away from the rest God has given us, but faith takes us right to the deliverance God has already planned for us. So, see, the devil can't touch God's power to deliver you, but he can rob it from you with worry. He can take it from you. He can take it from you. He can cause you to detract from the truth. See, the horses and chariots weren't going anywhere. And I just wonder, if Elisha had worried like the servant did, I wonder if the armies of Aram wouldn't have been allowed to come in and the story might have turned out differently. I wonder. I wonder how many Christians, how many of us, I know I have in in times in my life, we've been dragged away from our answer And we've suffered needlessly because of worry and anxiety and panic when we could have had a breakthrough looking and linking up with trust in God's promises. That old hymn rings so true and we've sang it for years and it just kind of goes through our lips and we don't really process what we're saying. But think about it again and think about the words that it's saying. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. 
Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Listen, I believe God tonight, He wants us to hear it again for the first time. Before your problem was ever born, I've already got your answer. I've said this before, and uh, I'll say it again. He's the God of your jeopardy. Now, uh, now it's kind of a play on words because you know the game show, Jeopardy? The whole premise of that game show is what? You give the answer, and then there comes the question. Alex Trebek will read the answer, and then you've got to give the question. The answer comes first, and then there's the question. I believe that's how God wants to operate in us. God is already shouting your answer before you ever even know the question. He is the God of your jeopardy. John 6, 6, when it talks about the feeding of the 5,000, uh, when they were wondering what they were going to do, they're worrying. There's so many people out here. There's 5,000 plus out here. Uh, what are we going to do? They're going to riot if they don't get food in their bellies. The Roman government's going to be all over us. See, what are they doing? They're linking up with worry, and now they're rabbit trailing in their thoughts. What's going to happen? They're already in a place where the Romans are going to come down on them. They're already thinking we're going to be arrested or killed. Hadn't even happened yet. But the Bible says Jesus, in John 6, 6, it says Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. It's like, man, before this crowd ever showed up, I've already got the answer. I've already got the answer. Jesus was teaching them, when you walk in worry, you see your problem. But when you walk and link arms with trust and faith, you're going to see your answer. Listen, watch Jesus. Don't watch people. Don't watch the stock market. Don't watch the news, for heaven's sake. Watch Jesus. I mean, if there's one thing I believe that we need right now, it's a thing that I would like to call in spite of faith. Everybody say in spite of faith. Well, let me tell you what that is. I want to take you over to Psalm 22. And in Psalm 22, um, it's a Psalm of David. And David, man, he is just really going through all of the incredible problems that he's facing. And I want you just to, to listen. First thing he does in verses 3 through 5 of that psalm his first thing he does is he remembers God's faithfulness, okay? So important. On the outset of every trial and panic and anxiety, we remember God's faithfulness. He says, Lord, you're holy. You're enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you. You rescued them. They cried out to you and they were saved. They trusted you and were never disgraced. So how many of you know it's good to remember what God's already done for you? And then he goes on in verses 10 through 21. Now, I won't read all of this. But he goes on and he is laying out everything before God. He bears his soul to God and he's honest about his feelings. Here's a few excerpts. Lord, don't stay so far away from me. My trouble is near. No one else can help me. He says, my heart is like, like wax melting within me. My strength's dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You've laid me in the dust and left me for dead. I mean, even though that's honest. He's right in the middle of something here. Enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. Lord, don't stay far away. You're my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me. So he's laying out his, all of his cares. He's laying out all his anxieties. He's being very honest about how he feels. Lord, I just feel like there are times I'm left alone. But then in verse 22, this in spite of faith rises up in the middle of it. Here's what it says in verse 22. He says, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. In spite of it all, God, I'm going to worship you, and God, I'm going to trust you. That's what's called in spite of faith. Now, when we have that kind of trust in the middle of a season like this, what I want to do is I want to show you your position when you decide to act in that kind of faith. Okay? Spelled out very clearly here in the Psalms. Watch this. Psalm 21, 22, where I just read out of, and 23. Psalm 21 says this. It says, verse 3, Lord, you prevent me with the blessings of your goodness. You know what that means? That means that God, just like I talked about the God of Jeopardy, that means He actually has gone ahead of us, like I talked about this morning, has already given us a way out, already devised a plan, already knows what He's going to do. He is at the finish line waiting for you. He's got deliverance and victory and provision waiting, and He's waiting for us to get there. So he's gone ahead of us. Hold that thought. You flip over in Psalm 23, 
Classic Psalm 23, what does it say at the last part of that song? Surely goodness and mercy will now follow me all the days of my life. It'll chase me. It'll tackle me all the days of my life. Then I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So do you know what your position is when you walk in and in spite of faith, in spite of all this mess I see around me, in spite of all the panic around me, I'm still going to choose to trust you. I'm still going to choose to worship you. Here's where you are. Verse 21, God's ahead of you. Verse 23, God's behind you. You are sandwiched in between God going ahead of you and guarding your rear, the rear guard. That didn't, that didn't come out right, did it? Guarding your rear. But he does. He watches your back. The glory of the Lord is my rear guard, the Bible says. So you are smack in the middle of God's provision, God's favor, and God's care when you walk with an in spite of faith. That's where we are. And so God anticipates us. He knows what our deadline is, and He's already there waiting on us. Now, here's what's going to happen. If we link up with worry and fear, we're following that false GPS signal. God is at the finish line. We start going in a different direction. And it's going to take us way longer to get there than it should have. But when we're linking with faith and trust... It's a, it's a signal that carries us right to the finish line, right where He's already waiting on us to give us every deliverance, every healing, and every provision. Psalm 27, 13 says this. David said, I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Isn't that good that we don't have to wait to the sweet by and by to see God's goodness? The Bible says we can have it right here, right now. Why is He going to... Why is he going to see God's goodness? Because he's confident. In other words, he's linked arms with faith. He's linked arms with trust. He is walking in the promises of God. See, what matters is that God knows what he's going to do. And while worry will carry you away from rest, faith will carry you to your rest. Hebrews 3.19 says this, So we... That it says, so, so we see that they were not allowed to enter his rest because of their unbelief. Again, that's talking about Israel when they came out of Egypt. They weren't able to go into the rest God had planned for them. Did that mean the promised land ceased to exist? No, it was still there. But they got detoured for 40 years when it should have taken them so much sooner to get to the place God had already prepared for them. See, here's the way I like to say it. God was, was waiting to meet Israel in Jericho. He was there. Didn't he already tell them? Go. I'm there. You've got it. I've given you this. He was waiting on them. But Israel never showed up because they linked arms with worry and they believed it. They went to a false signal and they got lost for 40 years. See, they missed their appointment with God because they linked arms with worry instead of their trust. They trusted their instincts instead of trusting in their God. But you contrast that with Joshua. Five times, be strong and courageous. And they choose to do that. They linked arms with the promises of God and they went right into the promised land, conquered it, and they got it. They got it. See, our faith and our trust will carry us to the peace you want and it will carry you to the rest you need. Let me say that. I think, I think the world right now needs a lot of peace and they need a lot of rest. And that's what trusting the promises of God will give us. It carries us to the peace you want and it carries us to the rest you need. But fear will drive you, I believe, to an early grave. I mean, didn't Jesus say, in the last days men's hearts would fail them because of fear? But again, let's revisit another classic scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Here's what it says. It says, don't worry about anything Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard, I love this, your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Your trust will carry you to God's peace and it will keep you all the way to the finish line of your breakthrough. And I've often said it like this. The peace of God is so powerful. It's not just a feeling. But it's rather 
such a power, it's so powerful that we can feel it. That's the way I like to describe the peace of God. It's a power that we can feel. Again, when Jesus was in the boat in the storm and He said the words, you remember? Peace be still. A feeling did not calm the storm. It was a power that calmed the storm. And it was a power that was so powerful it was felt not only by the people in the boat, but it was affecting all of creation around them where they were. And I believe Jesus was teaching the disciples something right there. I believe he was saying there is a rest and a peace you can find right in the middle of every storm. And I believe he was teaching us something. He was saying, now, the world's way is to let what's outside affect what is inside. And, and that's what happened in this boat, guys. That's what you did. You were in, in a panic. You were, uh, you, you, were, you were anxious. You were fearful for your lives. You were even questioning me. Lord, how can you let us drown? How can you? And so you let the outside affect the inside. That's the way of the world. That's the way you're going to see it in the world. That's what we're seeing right now. All the shelves are empty. Everything's shutting down. That's what we're seeing. But Jesus said, I want to show you a different way. It is so possible for you. As a matter of fact, it's, 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 it's the gift that God gives us that you not let what's outside affect what's inside. You can let what's inside affect what is outside. You can release the peace of God and watch it affect the people that you love, the people in your house, the people in your, in your work. Let what is inside affect what is outside. You know, and if the storm doesn't calm outside, God will always calm it on the inside. Now listen, God is so faithful, again, to use, use every storm that we face. And many times, you know, we, oftentimes, like I said this morning, we mistake an attack for a redirect. We think sometimes what's an attack is actually just a redirect. Uh, I remember years ago, uh, a lot of you know my wife, she is a um, licensed veterinary technician by trade. She hasn't been in the field for quite some time, but she still knows her stuff. And, uh, you know, she, she knows all about animals, how to take care of them. And several years ago, we took in a shelter animal, uh, just a beautiful little brindle uh, dog. It was just a, a, a mutt, you know, a mix. And and he had um, the uh, distemper virus or the distemper disease that, that's really fatal to dogs. And a lot of times it's, it's hard to bring him out of it. But Gretchen knew how to do it. She took care of this animal, got an IV bag, uh, was able to give fluids. And uh, all the time, every time, you know, around the clock, certain times, she would uh, pick him up and give him a bath in this medicated bath. And he hated that bath. Oh, every time that Gretchen would come towards him, he would scurry, he would go over in a corner, he would just try to wiggle out. It's like he's saying, why are you trying to hurt me? Why are you trying to, 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 to make me discomfortable? I mean, wh why, are you, why are you doing this to me? But see, many times we're the same way. It, she wasn't trying to hurt him in any way. She was closing in on him so that she could help him. And, and many times in our lives... God sees us in our different cages that we put ourselves in. And, and so he reaches in with his word, and if we don't like it, we start scurrying. Uh, and then he, you know, he, he might use the friend. See, Gretchen would get me to help her catch Peyton. I'd come and block him off one way. She'd block him off another. And he's like, oh, my goodness, you're closing in on me. Many times God loves us so much, he'll close us off with a godly friend here. Or he'll close us off with a sermon here. Or he'll cut us off with a song over here. And all of a sudden we find God is just, he's just closing in on us. And, and, and the closer he gets, the more we scurry. And, and, and the more we get aggravated, the more we get upset, the more we get mad. Why do we feel that way? Because we feel like something is hemming us in. And we're right, God is hemming us in. But he's not hemming us in to crush us with his fist. He's hemming us in so he can catch you with his hands and lift you out of the cage you're in and bring healing into your life. God loves us too much to leave us like we are. Amen? He loves us too much. So don't worry, but trust and believe. Linking arms with trust leads us to the peace of God. And it really comes down to two things. Either worry and anxiety are chasing us or we are chasing it. One of two ways. <clears throat> We're chasing worry or worry's chasing us. 
And, and again, you find this dynamic, again, in a very classic, familiar story in 1 Kings chapters 18 and 19. There's a big difference there. Boy, a big difference. It's night and day. Chapter 18, Elijah faces off against the 800 prophets of Baal and 850 prophets of Asherah. <coughs> and you know the story. They're at, they're at, they're at you know, going back and forth. Well, is God God or is Baal God? And so Elijah says, well, let's find out. Let's build us a couple of altars. And the God that answers by fire, he's the real God. So, you know, that's what they do. They build their altar. They are going into demonic frenzies. They are cutting themselves with stones. The Bible says to the blood gush. I mean, it must have been a gruesome sight. I don't know about you, but I think I would have got out of there. Walking into a place like that and seeing that, I'm like, man, this just ain't for me. I'll see you later because if they're going to do that to themselves, what's going to keep them from doing it to me? You know, that's probably my thinking. But here's Elijah not even moved by that. Matter of fact, he's having the time of his life. You know what happens. He's sitting down and he's mocking them. He's calling them out. Hey, maybe your God is deaf. Maybe he's on vacation. Uh, you don't want me to tell you what the literal Hebrew says, do you? Some of you know it, don't you? Maybe he's sitting on the toilet. And then when he gets done doing his business, then you can, you know, you can do business with him. Now, that's what the Bible says. So don't, don't, you know, don't hold that against me. He's having the time of his life. In other words, what's he doing? He's confident. He's standing in what God said about him. He knows who he is. He knows he's called. He knows the promises of God. Then he builds his altar and says, God, I thank you that you're about to show Israel that there's a God who's alive and well right here today. Fire came down, and what, what does the Bible say? He chased his enemies to the Kidron Valley, and they were slaughtered there. When he walked with trust and faith, what happened? He chased his enemies. Chapter 19, uh, Jezebel isn't happy with this. May the gods do to you what you've done to my prophets by this time tomorrow if I don't kill you myself. And what, is, what does Elijah, Elijah do? He turns his tail and he runs from her. What happened? He linked arms with fear and all of a sudden now his enemy is chasing him. It matters what we believe. James 4, 7. Again, familiar. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I've preached this a thousand times. Resist means to go after. It means to advance after. It means to chase after. And you will chase it. Uh, Psalm 91. You're going to crush the lion. You're going to crush the bear. You're going to crush the serpent. I always believe that those Old Testament examples of when people like David and Benaiah, when they chased lions and they chased wild animals and beat them, I've always believed those were illustrated sermons that illustrate for us what we have in the New Covenant. We are spiritually doing what they physically did in the Old Testament. We are now chasing beating the odds, turning the tables, doing something that would seem impossible. We are now chasing the one that pretends to be a lion. I said, he roars like a lion. He's not a lion, but he roars like one. We are now chasing our enemy. See, if I submit myself to somebody, it means I'm putting my trust in them to guide me, to heal me, to deliver me. So when I submit to God and I walk with faith, it gives me the power to pursue. It gives me the power to chase fear. It gives me the power to chase anxiety. It gives me the power to chase my enemy. Now, I can chase the devil and he will run from me. I heard somebody say it like this one time. And I think it's true. And I know it, at least I know it is in my life. Worry is the evidence of the lack of God's control in that area of your life. Ouch. Can I say that again? Worry is the evidence of the lack of control that God has in that area of your life. When I walk and link arms with faith, I chase the devil. When I link arms with worry, the devil chases me. You see that principle in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 17. When God spoke to Jeremiah and he said this, Jeremiah, get up, get yourself ready, say to them whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Did you hear that? In other words, all right, the choice is yours, Jeremiah. 
Link arms with trust and what I've said, you'll chase your enemies. You link arms with worry, your enemies will chase you. It's your choice. Aren't you glad that we got a choice in the matter? When I was a kid living in Waverly, Tennessee, we lived in some apartments. And uh, there was a creek that was right across the street from those apartments. And I was out there just kind of walking through that creek one day. And I'll never forget, I saw what they call a black racer snake. And I saw it, and I remember I just kind of froze being, you know, first or second grade. Of course, that scared me. I just kind of froze, and I started backing up. And when I did, it was coming after me. And so I just kind of was trotting away from it, and here it comes after me. And so, and then I remembered, I thought, well, I'm going to stop to pick up a rock to throw at it. And when I stopped, I noticed it stopped. I thought, well, that's strange. And so I kind of jumped toward it, and it coiled away. And I took another step toward it and it started slithering away. And then guess what? I started chasing after it and it started running from me. And I've always heard since then, that's what a black racer does. If you run from it, it'll chase you. But if you stand your ground and turn tail, he'll run from you. You'll chase it. In other words, I had a choice in the matter. Guess what? You and I have a choice in the matter. And life is just a lot better when I'm looking at the devil's backside than when he's looking at mine. Amen? You've got a choice. You know, a lot of you know that uh, I, I do a thing called the Thursday night five-minute fill-up uh, on my Facebook page. And maybe some of you saw this last week. Uh, but I was uh, getting ready to go on last Thursday night <clears throat> and I had something entirely different ready to share that night. And I kid you not, uh, David Dale, five minutes before I'm ready to go on, the Lord says, no, 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 I want you to do this. And I'm like, well, do what? And I just really felt like I was supposed to speak concerning this virus, this pandemic and the fear. And I just felt like God said, I want you just to type in on your search engine how do you destroy a virus? So I looked it up, and what I read just went through me, and I shared on it. And you can go to Darren English's Facebook page if you want to watch it, but I'm going to share it with you tonight. And here's what I found. First thing that popped up. Here's how a virus is destroyed. It says, a special hormone called interferon is produced by the body when viruses are present. And this stops the viruses from reproducing by killing the infected cell and its close neighbors. Inside the cells, there are enzymes that destroy what is called the NRA, uh, I'm sorry, the RNA of viruses. And some blood cells engulf and destroy other virus-infected cells. I read that and something went through me that it's the blood that destroys the virus. Can I tell you something? There is power. We sang it tonight. There is power in the blood to destroy the virus. Folks, we've got the most holy. We've got the most powerful. We've got the most unique blood that's been infused into our lives. It's the blood of Jesus. And can I tell you? I choose to trust the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus destroys every sin. The blood of Jesus destroys every fear. The blood of Jesus destroys every demon. And guess what? The blood of Jesus destroys every virus. Corona, flu, SARS, whatever it is. I choose to trust the blood of Jesus. Amen. We've got something set before us. It's called life and death. And God said, I tell you, choose life. Aren't you glad you've got a choice? You may not can choose your situation. You can't choose your trial. You can't choose your test. But you can still choose what you believe. You can choose who you trust. You can choose to pursue or to be pursued. And I stay, I'm just choosing tonight to stand with Paul when he says, I know in whom I believed and I'm convinced he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return, 2 Timothy 1.12. I'm just going to choose to believe with David in Psalm 17, 6. I am praying because I know you will answer, O God. I mean, I mean, you know God is hearing your prayer and answering your prayer. I'm going to say with Job in Job 19, 25. I know that my Redeemer lives and in the end He will stand on the earth. You've got a choice. Let's choose to believe the blood of Jesus. Let's choose life tonight. Amen? Praise God. Now, folks, there are times... When tragedy hits, there are. There are times when tragedy hits. 
And we experience fear. We experience worry and even panic. And in those moments, people do have to battle for the peace of God. And like I said already, it's not a sin that we feel those things. There are times when you feel panic and you feel fear and you feel anxiety. It doesn't mean you're less spiritual. It doesn't mean you have faith. It doesn't mean that you failed God. All of us are subject to those emotions. They will attack us. But it's in those moments we decide what are we going to do with them. Are we going to link arms with them? Or are we going to take a, seat, a deep breath and say, God, I, don't, I may not have the answer, but I am going to trust you right now. I'm going to link arms with trust and with faith, knowing that you are going to give me the right GPS to lead me out of this straight to you. Amen? I've heard it said like this, and you've heard it before too. Anxiety is the interest paid on trouble before it's due. You see, what I'm referring to is the worrying yourself sick about things that haven't even happened yet. Again, we can do this to our health. We can really worry ourselves sick. We can. We can do it in our families, where it can cause trouble in our family. It can happen in our finances. Hey, listen, I heard a preacher say one time, and I thought this was so prophetic and so good. He told us all to take out a dollar bill or whatever we had. He said, I want you to look on that money, and I want you to read it. What does it say on every piece of money you've got? It says, in God we trust. He says, don't trust your money. He said, read your money and do what it says. I mean, God, even in our currency, God is telling us, don't trust this. Trust me, and I'll give you enough of this to meet your need. Trust me. And by the way, I'll just throw a plug in here. If you're not tithing, you're not trusting. I got some amens out of that. Hey, the best way, you can, the best way that you can trust God in your finances is to tithe and give. Folks, I've lived for 17 years on faith. And God has blessed us because of tithing and giving. Tithing and giving. Jesus said again, the last days men's hearts would fail them because of fear. You see, when all this time, Jesus left the answer waiting on us. Didn't he, didn't he do that? What do you mean? Let me, let me show you scripture. John 14, 22. Jesus said these words. He said, I am leaving you. Everybody say leaving. That means it's already here, right? I'm leaving you a gift. Peace of mind and heart. That goes with Philippians 4. The peace of God will keep your heart and mind. Why, why could he say that in Philippians? Because he knew Jesus left it for us all the way back right before he left, he left for heaven. He left it for us. It's here. And when we link arms with trust and faith in God's promises, guess what? It leads us right into that. The gift God has already given us. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives that's conditional by the stock market. That if everything is right in the world, everything's right with me. It's not like the world has that the outside affects the inside. No, the peace I give you says you won't be troubled or afraid. What's inside will affect the outside. What if I do get sick? I would encourage you. You keep speaking God's word over yourself. Don't let it move you. Keep declaring God's promises over yourself. I got a dear friend of mine. His name is Chris Harrison. And uh, he, not off The Bachelor. I know what some of you are thinking right now. Some, see, some of you know, some of you know that. Uh, I've got a friend, Chris Harrison. He uh, was a pastor in Coleman, Alabama for, for many years. This past year, uh, it been on his heart for a long time. And their, their, their ministry has an organization for missions already. It's called Agape International Fellowship. But God put it on his heart and he obeyed. He sold everything and went to Thailand on the mission field. Sold it all. He'd been wanting to do it for years. But the timing was right. Got over to Thailand and man, it's like instantly God started providing. God started sending money. God started sending people. God sent him a house. God sent him a building to open up a school for evangelism and missionaries. And I'm telling you, he started preaching the gospel to people that had never heard before. And, and people were, are getting physically healed instantaneously. They're coming to Jesus. All these things, wonderful things happening. Praise God. Declaring that he's healed. Declaring that he's full of victory. And all of that is true. But in October this past year, 
Bam! He went into uh, liver and organ failure. And I want you to put up that first picture. He's in the hospital there with that mask on. Flash that up there if you've got it. <clears throat> and you'll see him here in just a second. But he went into massive... No, that's not it. That's the other one. There's two up there. Uh, but that is Chris. There he is. Looks like death warmed over, doesn't he? Five organs of his body failing. The doctors told him, we can do what we can, but there's nothing we can do. You're going to die in a couple of weeks. What do you do? Don't you know the enemy? This is what happens when you sell everything and go to the mission field. This is how God treats you. This is the, this is the thanks you get, you know? What about all those promises? What about all those, those words from God you've been giving other people? How is that looking now? Don't you know that's what the enemy does to us whenever ever we walk in that? But you know what Chris did? When the doctors would come in and tell him that, Chris would say, he said, nope. He said, my Lord Jesus Christ is going to raise me up out of this bed and you're going to be amazed at what he's going to do. And he kept speaking the word of God over himself. He kept believing God. Now the doctors are doing everything they can. But I tell you, there was, a, there was a couple of months there. It didn't, look, it didn't look good. But he just kept believing and speaking, believing and speaking. And then to the doctor's amazement, these organs begin to regenerate by themselves. Everything starts to reverse. They're not knowing what's going on. They're scratching their heads. And now you flash that other picture up there. This is him today, whole and healed and completely made clean by the power of Jesus. Completely healed. And guess what? He's still out preaching the gospel. He's still seeing people saved. He's still seeing people instantly, physically healed of their diseases. One woman's arm was broken. They prayed over it. Pop, it popped right back together. God instantly healed it. I'm telling you, we've got a choice. We got a choice. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the, is the evidence, uh, the substance of things not hoped for, the evidence of, of things not seen. And I believe that's what you and I need. You know what I'm talking about. That now faith. Come on, we need some now faith. Not yester faith, but some now faith. He's fighting my battle now. He's anticipating me in my every room, my every move right now. He's active in my life now. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. What he did for Moses, he'll do for me now. What he did for Abraham, he'll do for me now. What he did for Peter, James, and John, he'll do for me now. Praise God. Let's walk out of here with some now faith. Let's link arms with the promises of God. Let's link arms with trust. Let's link arms with faith. And let's watch it take us right to the victory that God has already planned for us. Let's trust the blood of Jesus that kills every virus. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. You know, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, He said, listen. He said, from day to day, God's going to take care of us. From day to day. And, and I've often heard it like this. God won't give us tomorrow's grace today. God gives us today's grace today. So every day, we get a fresh measure of His grace. I love the Bible. It says every morning His mercies are brand new. That word mercies is the word rakamim, and it means multiplied mercies. It, it, means, it means the word can't really contain what it means. It means they are so big, they are so many, they are so wide, they can't be contained. It's not just a mercy, it's mercies every morning. God, I thank you for your mercies every morning. Well, Jaron, what do I do? What, what's going to happen if I'm really... Now, now I, and listen, I understand there are some people... We all have different areas in our lives that we battle. Some battle anger. Some battle uh, you know, a discouragement. Some people battle fear. It's just their Achilles heel. And I get that. And, and one is, is no worse than the other. But Darren, what do I do if I'm the kind of person, I'm hearing you, I'm believing you, but I battle anxiety and fear. Well, what happens if I... If I break through today, but tomorrow, here I am again back down, and I have to break through again, and then the next day I'm right back to where I'm at. Uh, well, is that, is that, is that, does that mean I'm a person that lacks trust or faith? No, no. There's a principle in God's Word that says that what you're doing is right. You're just, you're, every day you're receiving. Every day you're, you're getting what God's given for you. Every day you're getting new mercies. Psalm 42, uh, it's um, one of the sons of Korah wrote this psalm, and I want you to see what's happening here. He's talking about how heartbroken he is. 
And here's what he does. Watch this. In verse 4, it says, My heart is breaking. I remember how it used to be. Walked among the crowd of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy, giving thanks amid the great celebration. I'm remembering what used to be, but now I'm discouraged. Now I'm, I'm full of worry and anxiety. And then he says, Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Bam! He gets a breakthrough. Thank God. Okay? Very next verse. Now I'm deeply discouraged. You ever been there? I mean, the minute you get a breakthrough, it's like 15 minutes later, bam, here, I'm, I'm back again. Well, what's the answer to that? The answer is to do the same thing that the son of Korah did here. Watch this. I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. I hear the turmoil to the raging seas. He goes through all that he's going through. But then watch what he says in verse 11. It's the same words as verse 5. He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again. Everybody say again. That's the key. I'll do it again. And if it comes back, guess what? I'm going to do it again. If it hits again, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to outlast the attack of the enemy. Snakes are cold-blooded. That means they have no endurance. You're warm-blooded. That means you have endurance. That means you can outlast an attack of the enemy. You're going to get, you're going to, you're going to, he's going to give up before you do. I will praise him again. It's what Jesus said when he says, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. He's saying, keep coming. Keep coming. Just keep coming. Because those who, and that word, knock, ask, seek, it's, a, it's an intense that means keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. So Jesus is saying, those who keep knocking, the door will be opened. Not maybe. Those who keep on asking, they will receive. Those who keep seeking, they will find. That's an affirmative there. It's, it's, it's set in stone. Well, Darren, I'm at the end of myself. What a great place to be. Can you do, can you do something for me? Think about that sentence. I am at the end of myself. Put a comma after I am. I am at the end of myself. What's one of God's most holy names? The I am. That means at the end of myself, I find the great I am. When I'm at the end of myself, that's where He is. Can we trust the blood of Jesus that destroys every sin, every demon, every virus, that even at the end of ourselves, we find the great I am? I heard somebody say it like this. The I am was on the cross. That means, that means whenever we say I am discouraged, well, guess what? The I am was discouraged for me. I am depressed. It's the I am who was depressed for me. He's with us. He knows the feelings of our weaknesses. And because He does, He can help us. Amen? Amen. He can help us. I am at the end of myself. There's the great I am. I love the story that John Ashcroft told when he was about to be uh, sworn in, I believe, as senator for the first time, uh, he, he was good friends with uh, a man named Dick Foth. Some of you might know that name. Dick Foth is a great man of God. And he said, right before the swearing-in ceremony, he said they got together at a home there uh, with, with some of his friends, and his dad happened to be there. His dad was in very, very bad health. As a matter of fact, that was the day. That was his dad's last day on earth. And John Ashcroft, many of you know he served as attorney general under uh, George W. Bush. Man of God. Man of God. Loves Jesus. Grew up in the assemblies of God. And they were singing some hymns. And they thought, well, we, we, we want to do, we want to pray over you, John, so that, you know, God will bless your, your, your tenure in the Senate. And so he was sitting in a chair and everybody was, was getting down to kneel to lay hands on John Ashcroft to pray. Uh, I'm sorry, got that wrong. They all stood to get around John Ashcroft to pray for him while he was sitting in a chair. Well, Ashcroft saw his father struggling like as if to get out of his chair. And he said, he said Dad, Dad, don't, don't worry. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to struggle to stand up. And he said, Son, I'm not struggling to stand. He said, I'm struggling to kneel. And he said, John Ashcroft said, he said, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, that is the real struggle we all face. The struggle to rest. The struggle to trust. 
the struggle to kneel. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 29, He said, and I love this scripture, He said, this is the work, not some works, not one of the works, the Son of God, omnipotent, says, this is the singular work the Father wants from you. How many of you want to know what that is? To believe on the one He has sent. That's it. Link arms with trust. Link arms with my promise. That is the work that you want to do. It's like I said this morning. Our work, mash down on the promise of God. Rest everywhere else. Is that a battle for me? Yeah. Have I got that perfect pastor? No. But I have to, but I have to bring myself back to it. God, I got I to listen to my own tape. I got to remember my preaching. Y'all, y'all with me? I got to remember, I got to mash down on the promises. My work is to trust you. And he's so faithful to bring the peace of God that keeps my heart and my mind as I trust him. How many of you know we can trust him? The blood of Jesus that destroys every sin, every demon, every virus. We can trust him, amen. I've got a dear friend of mine, he is a Messianic Jewish rabbi. And um, he told a story about his grandfather. He said, when I was a little kid, he said, my grandfather, he said, he was the kind of guy that could take an engine apart, bolt by bolt, put it back together. He knew cars. And he said, I always like to go in the shop and watch him and help him work and help him do his things. And he said, but I noticed one time, he said, my grandfather took his car to another mechanic to do the brakes. And he thought, why would he do that? I mean, this guy can take apart a transmission, name every part of it, clean it up, put it back together, runs like a dream. So why would he not do those himself? Why would he go to this other guy, this other friend of his, that does the brakes? And so he asked him. He said, Grandpa, why do you, why do, you do that? And Granddad said, well, when you were there and you saw the guy doing the brakes, he said, did you notice anything about him? He said, well, I noticed he was dirty. I said, he's, you know, he had uh, you know, old clothes on and he had grease on his fingers. He says, did you notice his hands? He said, yeah. He said, there was evidence of slipped wrenches and where he'd you know, maybe cut his hand a time or two or banged them up. He said, there were some scars on his hands. He said, well, that's just it, son. He said, you can trust the man with the scars. You know what? We can trust the man with the scars. Thank God he took on himself our, our, our sin. He took on himself our infirmities and diseases. He took on himself our guilt. We can trust the properties of the blood of Jesus to keep us, to save us, to cleanse us, to heal us, and to keep us safe from every disease and every virus in this crazy culture. Let's walk out of here believing and knowing, God, I want the inside to affect what's outside, not the other way around. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Tonight, what I want us to do, I want us just to spend some time. Let's, I want us to come and find us a place at these altars. If, you, if you're not able to, that's cool. I want us to come and find a place and I want us to press into this tonight. God, I'm not giving in to the hype. I, I, yeah, I feel it. I'm tempted to be, to be concerned. About it. I'm tempted to be anxious about it. I'm tempted to be afraid about it. But God, I believe and I trust the blood of Jesus. The answer is in the blood. The power is in the blood in everything. You are all things in all things. And I trust the blood of Jesus. We can trust the blood of Jesus, yeah, for diseases, for sin, for, for, uh, for all deliverance. We can trust God for our marriages. We can trust the blood of Jesus for all the head games that the enemy plays. We can trust the blood of Jesus. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. There is no mistake why we sang that song tonight. We sang another hymn. We sang another chorus tonight. He goes before I know he's even gone to win my war. That wasn't a mistake tonight. What do we talk about tonight? 
He's already at the finish line. Waiting on you to get here. Link arms with trust and faith in my word. He'll bring you right to me. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. Let's link up with our trust tonight. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. I pray that in this time uh, that it seems so uh, scary of what we don't know what could happen next. I just pray that, that you know the Lord and that you would come to know the Lord if you don't know the Lord. Because there is peace. Jesus Christ is known as the Prince of Peace. And tonight, I just think, uh, I just think that you should know Him if you don't know Him. You really should know Him because He is worthy to know. He is worth knowing. And if you don't know Him, it's simple to, to come to know Him. You just surrender all of you to Him because He is the Creator. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows your uh, he knows your past, and He loves you in spite of it. So tonight, just be encouraged and be filled with hope that God loves you and He will protect you even in this time that the world is full of fear. So thank you again for listening. And ask Jesus Christ, call on His name, because the Word says that whosoever shall call on His name shall be saved. So believe in your heart tonight and trust in the Lord, and we'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Have a good night. Bye-bye.